is up, everyone? This is Jesse HS. This is the Heart God Media presented Sight and Sound podcast. And uh, today I have a barber extraordinaire slash friend slash all around good dude on the podcast today to discuss uh, Bloodsport. Jean-Claude Van Damme January is what was supposed to be started at the beginning of the month, but we got a little sidetracked with some of our coolest interviews that we've had. We had James Hart and Keith Barney from every, every, not every time I die, every time I die is broken up. We were just talking about every time I die. 18 Visions, and uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, and it was really awesome to have those guys on, and those have been super successful as far as listens, so I'm appreciative of that. For any 18 Visions fans that have checked those out. But today, I have uh, one Mr. Charles Lokes, Lauks, on to discuss Bloodsport. And Charlie, say what up. How's it going? Uh, so, this is the first time I've had a barber on, let alone my barber. So, this is going to be a good one. Maybe we'll start talking about some of the hair in the movie as well. Who... Plenty of conversation expertise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... We, I went and got a, a cut, and we always bullshit when we're when I'm getting cut. Um, but you had a Van Damme movie on, and it immediately sparked our Van Damme talk. Yep. Um, as we're both fans, uh, so that that sort of influenced us to do a, a Jean Claude Van Damme themed month. But at the same time, uh, we had planned it, but we still hadn't covered Bloodsport, Kickboxer, a lot of these classic fucking Van Damme movies. So the fact that you know we finally have gotten to them is pretty is pretty important. And I know there's a couple of people that are usually on the podcast that are excited to talk uh, to talk Jean Claude Van Damme as well. But uh, what was the first time Van Damme kind of came onto your radar? Be it like in the past, like as a kid or anything like that, or later on. When was the first time you actually heard the name and like you knew like okay, this dude's a martial artist and he's in all these movies. I want to say the first time I actually heard of him was because of Bloodsport. Okay. Uh, my dad was a fan of a lot of 80s movies. Of course, yeah. Good ones, Roadhouse, anything with fighting in it. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that Also, Rob Van Dam, the wrestler, big fan. Got, got his name from Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I learned the origin of you know his martial arts expertise and all the cool movies he's done. Yeah, he's done. I mean, the guy's got a hell of a fucking filmography, and it keeps it keeps going as the years go on. He keeps adding to it. But these seminal films that we're talking about, and Bloodsport, probably while not my f- very favorite, is one of my favorite, but it's probably his most seminal. It's probably what people immediately associate Jean Claude Van Damme with, or Jean Claude Van Damme, if you're gonna say it properly, I guess. Um, so Bloodsport is a pretty wild fucking movie, and it's based. In, as they say in the movie, and as people were told, based on a true story of Frank Dukes. Now, Frank Dukes is uh, a martial. He was a martial artist, but was also in the United States military. That has claimed a lot of things, including being a winner of the Kumite and having three hundred and something consecutive wins and the biggest Kumite champion of all time. And the Kumite was real, but. Um, a lot of that's been disputed. His rank in the military has been disputed. Uh, claiming to have purple hearts and medals of honor. And there being pictures of him not actually having those properly displayed on his military uniform. So all everything that that dude has said has pretty much been called into question. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name and I'm not going to look it up. Because I just like keeping this off the cuff. 
he claimed that some crazy super low-key martial artist master trained him they have no records of the guy ever existing so apparently it was the fucking ghost of shang soon uh, <laughs> and uh it's everything about blood sport has been disputed as far as what frank dukes claims to have done needless to say we're not going to dive in too much uh there is a kobe tie-in i know you're a kobe fan and you're a lakers fan Frank Dukes went to Lower Marion High School in Philadelphia. No kidding. I did not know that. So maybe he's full of shit there. Maybe he said that after he found out Kobe. That's there. very possible. <laughs> but regardless, I had to share that because I thought that was you fun. might want to look into that. Yeah, we might have to. We need to go into the yearbook in whatever year he claims to have graduated. Um, but regardless, we got the, whether it be fiction or nonfiction, we got this fucking awesome movie out of it. So Van Damme had kind of been in like, a couple, a couple uh, other movies before this, but this was his first breakout role. Now, Bloodsport follows as a, the Frank Duke story, as it been told or not told uh, to be true, uh, about this guy who's in the military, but he's also also a martial artist. Leaves the military to go compete in the Kumite because he so desires it because his master told him, you know, his dying wish is to be in the Kumite and the, the master's son died and Frank Dukes was his, Ill, you know, his his uh, son slash student by proxy. For and, returning the katana. Yeah, for the, returning the katana. And uh, so the story's great and he leaves and the marshals fucking, uh, you know, U.S. marshals are trying to find him to bring him back because it's, you know, it's illegal to just leave when you're on military duty and be like, I'm going to go fucking fight in the Kumite. He's gone AWOL for yeah, the fight. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. I'll tell you what, if Frank Dukes, if he was full of shit, he created a hell of a fucking story. He sold it well. He sold it amazing. And he sold other stories to Van Damme and went on to be a fight choreographer on a couple of Van Damme movies. And there ended up being a split when they did The Quest in 96, I think it was, was the last time that those two collaborated. But... It's a great fucking story, and we get Van Damme smack dab in the middle of this fucking kumite. Also, can, you got to speak to this. How do you meet someone like he meets Ray Jackson, and you're immediately like fucking boys with him? I've it never doesn't make sense. No, it's you. You don't know what this guy what this guy's doing. Like he's obviously like a bigger dude. He's got a fucking crazy lazy eye. Playing by Donald Gibb. Donald Gibb is great. He was also Ogre in Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, uh, and. I just found it funny how like they're just playing like an arcade game and they immediately bond over that and the fact that he beats him in the arcade game and they're just fucking boys after that. He's he's won his respect. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you needed in the eighties. Like you just immediately. It's the same thing with like if you were gonna sleep with a girl, you didn't need a lot of time to get the backstory. It literally just like oh you're in love now. It's a love story. So apparently that was that way with friends. But what what was your first impressions of? Did you see Bloodsport younger? Did you recently rediscover it? Have you just has it kind of just on the been on the peripheral? What's your relationship with finding the movie? I had seen the movie when I was younger and remembered bits and pieces of it, but I've kind of rediscovered it in I'd say probably the past ten years and really grown to appreciate it more for what it is, right? And not just the fight scenes, even though they're great. Yeah, I mean that that's what I think a lot of people, I guess, on the outskirts of the fans of that aren't really fans of martial art films. I think they just see them, and it's a lot with horror movies too, they kind of just see them as like, oh, it's a fucking, there's a lot of action, there's a lot of fight scenes. That's like the drawing point, that's like the, that's the, that's the top coming off the stripper, 
you got to know Cherry to talk to her is to know her and you get to know her and know she's a great gal. And the movie's like that. The movie has a great story, be it, it could be fake. Uh, a great story regardless. It's, it's funny that it's just kind of, horror gets written off that as just like gore. Like, oh, it's all gore. There's no story. There's a lot of great stories in, in these genre films and there's a great story in this. And like you said, you just come to appreciate it for more than the fight scenes not to say that the fight scenes aren't the the starring point of it. Absolutely. I mean, but it's like uh, but the build up and the reason why exactly he fights so hard is what sells the movie. One hundred percent. We get one of the greatest, maybe one of the greatest villains, maybe of all time, in Chong Lee, played by Bolo Young. Great villain. Now, I'm not sure if he's South Korean in 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 reality, but he plays South Korean as he's wearing the South Korean uh, flag on his bandana. Also, you need bandanas in the eighties. Has to be. Uh, I mean, it. it you Homage pretty much to the Karate Kid or released. Before? It came out after Karate Kid came out in eighty four, so there might be a tie in with like maybe the the studio execs at Canon saying, "Can we get a couple bandanas on here?" I think in a legitimate have some headbands. I mean, even Ray Jackson, who's just pretty much like a glorified biker, is has a Harley Davidson bandana. <laughs> But Chong Lee, played by Bolo Young. Now, this dude's a, a fucking specimen. I mean, he's obviously an older cat now. He's in his 70s now. But when this dude was in his prime, in his 30s and 40s, I mean, he ended up... He, I believe he was he trained and did movies. I think he did Enter the Dragon. Uh, I think he was in that. But he has lineage going back to have, doing movies and, and training with Bruce Lee. Uh, so the dude's legit. Uh, and he's also maybe the most muscle-bound... Uh, someone of that nationality that I've seen. You usually don't see... Most notable. Most notable, for sure. You don't see a lot of... It. Obviously, there's sumo culture in China and things like that, or Japan, rather. Um, but to get someone that is like... Looks like a legitimate bodybuilder. Yeah. Of his nationality is rare. And it's awesome to see, because I think he... If, if nothing else, there he has a huge following, too. Like, he is revered as, like... I mean, he might be one of the few notable bodybuilders of Asian descent, too. Especially when you get into the action movie realm. It's it's interesting to see. And he plays the villain. He looks like he's a villain. There's no way he, he'd come across as a good guy in, 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 in any film I see him in. He, he portrays a perfect villain, especially with his size in that movie. Like I said, it looks unusual for him to be that big, too. You know what I mean? He looks like he would be like a smaller guy as far as like what most fighters of his nationality would be. Now, of course, yes, if you're in nationality, you can be whatever size you want to be. But to see someone that's that like physically just fucking, he's a monster. He's got like Dwayne Johnson type pecs in the 80s. Uh, so to see someone that big uh, from his nationality is awesome to see just because it's unusual It'd be like... You don't have that kind of representation in 80s movies either. It's not... You don't have that global kind of pool that they're pulling from for these actors. No, you don't. Especially with action movies. It was all mostly... And that's a credit I'll give Van Damme. Van Damme obviously being Belgian. Or from Belgium. Belgian, he is. Uh, but he always... It felt like he always took from so many different areas. Especially from the martial arts world as far as... Uh, oriental culture uh and he brought those he brought bolo young into american spotlight because when Bloodsport came out 
I think it was a moderate like success. It did good in like smaller theaters and like there was a buzz and now it's an iconic like classic cult classic film. Who else was kind of bringing in those villains from other nationalities into uh not horror uh action movies? It wasn't really like what did you re- the the people that like that Rambo would fight in like in First Blood 2 or First Blood 3, they were nameless you know, they were nobodies. Yeah. So you knew Bolo after you saw that movie and you saw the credit as uh, Chong Lee was played by Bolo Young. Bolo Young in, in in turn and he brought Bolo back in several films, one of them being Double Impact a few years later. Another great film. Another great film. Uh I think you raise a good point there. He, you don't see like the villains kind of be fleshed out kind of the way Chong Lee was in this. And the same with uh, Michelle Kissy, who, who plays Tong Po in, in Kickboxer, who was also had a small role as one of the fighters in Bloodsport too. Um, but that's what's, that that's an interesting topic to broach because it, you, you think it's probably because Van Damme was European and he was also a martial artist. So he respected fighters and probably and van damme was a legitimate uh, world world champion fighter too he probably appreciates that culture and has probably seen and been around guys he isn't just an actor he became an actor you know and it also makes for a great movie environment when people haven't really been exposed to that at the time no no exactly it's do you think now if you're talking 80s villains sean lee has got to be up there oh absolutely You'd have to pair him in with, I mean, you do have your villain from Kickboxer, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Tong Po. Tong Po. And, I mean, most of the other villains in 80s movies are usually Russian mercenaries and stuff like that, right? I mean, I'm thinking Die Hard. Die Hard and, and, uh, and, or they're like, you know, weird, rich, like white moguls, like in fucking like lethal weapon or something you know what i mean barons and yeah they're not like truly like uh it wasn't really dived into they weren't fleshed out like it like you didn't get like a whole chong lee backstory which would be fucking amazing to get a chong lee backstory but now that would be a revisitation i may go and watch if they were to make a chong lee origin story movie or something along those lines because i'm sure they can make him sympathetic too um bolo young's son is also a very successful bodybuilder exactly well, that's that's what be that'd be great too. You get a young, uh, a young Bolo Young's son playing young Bolo in in like an origin story, like for Chong Lee. That would be fucking cool. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You just got to find the cat that wants to put the money up to do it. But uh, for for the fight scenes in this too, they're so fun to watch because. I mean, Frank Dukes, the actual Frank Dukes, was a fight choreographer on the film, but Van Damme is notable for being a fight, for choreographing his, choreographing, rather, uh, his entire fight scenes in every movie that he's been in. And I think I shared this knowledge with you, because uh, I think we were talking about it, and I think I might have sent you the picture, too, where uh, Van Damme is, was the Predator in the original 1987 Predator. I do remember that, and I didn't know that before we had that conversation. Yeah, so, and they got rid of him because he didn't like, uh, the studio didn't like that the Predator was doing martial arts. <laughs> they could take the, the, the dreaded Predator doing roundhouse kicks. and <laughs> They wanted more gadgets. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> which they introduced even more so uh, as the films went on. 
yeah, they wanted more of like a technological, like uh, stealthy hunter than they wanted. They wanted crescent kicks. <laughs> uh, I would like to see the. I would like to see the predator dipping his hands in glue and broken glass to fist fight someone though. I didn't see any full splits by the predator. No. <laughs> but uh, they didn't want Van Dam doing that because they didn't want the predator to be like a martial artist or whatever. But Van Dam, notably too, was just like. He was pretty, like, he wanted the shit to look real, so he's been accused of really laying it in on some people, uh, which, of course, if there's just, like, a stunt guy, I'm sure he's just like, I'm gonna kick you really fucking hard, just so you know. And the stunt guy probably wants to get paid, so he's just taking these he's fucking... He's not pulling his punches. Yeah, exactly, especially on a stunt guy. So, that's uh, that makes for an interesting kind of uh, take on the movie, too, is the fights look so real because they're probably they're choreographed by legitimate martial artists uh whereas in the past i know that they've you they've used martial artists but they more so were using acting coaches to display like you were getting more like uh facial expressions and and stuff the acting out of the fight scenes and and say even like uh like lethal weapon and two uh, i know they brought in legit choreographer choreographers for the fights but it was, there was also an acting coach there. I don't think... I think these guys, because all the guys that I think were competing in it, save for Donald Gibb, were all legit fighters, too. There's a dude... Um, I think his name's Paulo Tuco, who plays one of the one of the fighters. And he's a legit kickboxer. He's a world champion kickboxer. So you had legit fighters in here, too. Now, do you did you... Is there any point when you're watching this film, when, when, you've, when you've watched this film several times... Did you ever, did you ever think that this kind of movie just doesn't get made anymore? And I feel like when they make them, they do them more dramatic, and there's way more dramatic elements other than like kind of just like a story to get it kickstarted. It focuses more on the dr- dr- drama of the film, more lesser than the action. It does seem like a lot more films open up with action and then kind of drift toward a resolution that also involves a lot of action. It's all about the zooming in on the face for the intensity, the slow motion, right. and all the special effects rather than the actual choreography of the martial arts mm-hmm. in the newer films I've noticed. And I think, uh, I mean, we could, I mean, it's the same with Kickboxer too. Kickboxer, there's, I think with, because Bloodsport came out a year before Kickboxer. So I think that they honed in on more of the story in Kickboxer. They gave more of a solid story. As far as like a reven- a real vengeance story to to be told, but all the fighting, like I feel like they just don't. The fight scenes in movies now just don't hold the same weight. Is it because my question would be, I guess to to everyone as a whole, is it is it because there's less legit martial artists out there? Because I think there's still legit martial artists, but do you think it's more about the acting than it is about the true? choreographing of fights because the fights in the 80s always look great i think part of it might be just kind of pandering to the masses of course i mean i'm sure a lot of films still have a lot of great influence from martial arts practitioners and stuff like that but i think it probably just sells more to have gunfights and explosions and all that kind of stuff it feels like for some people it might have more gravity if someone just dies as a result of it right rather than having a fight and then having to come back and fight again. And kind of what you were saying, too. You're, they probably got the guys fo- focusing on facial expressions and truly acting and trying to get the the feel and the emotion of the scene out. Whether 
rather than the logistics and the it, coordination it's of showing fighting. you how intense it is rather than uh laying it out for you so you feel the gravity of it right you're getting the cliff notes version of what's happening by getting the facial expressions and the emotion you're not being able to see the story fleshed out through fucking you're really rooting for frank dukes to avenge jackson yeah exactly and that's what's uh it's exactly what i was saying with kickboxer it seems like they're like okay his friend gets hurt by chong lee and then he exacts his revenge uh whereas kickboxer he his brother's killed and that are not killed but paralyzed and then you know they took it that extra step they made tong paul a little a little more evil than uh chong lee just ruthless yeah yeah just super like that seedy like underground like he's a martial artist but he's also connected to fucking the the crime boss freddie lee in the movie you know what i mean that's looking to do damage rather than to just mercilessly win the tournament right where i think there was there's definitely like uh, a bigger darkness to kickboxer than blood sport while it gets serious as far as like him avenging ray's death ray is such ray jackson such a likable fucking character how could you not fucking you know the the we got to talk about the 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 uh the death touch scene where they're not going to honor Frank Dukes's invitation uh, because they don't think he is the you know the heir to, apparent to his master to be defending or fighting for the name, and uh, just a classic line where Donald Gibb played or Donald Gibb who plays uh, Ray Jackson says, "What the hell is a dim Mac?" Uh, and they we see the fucking death touch. That is like I can see where people today would think that was corny. But, like, it's, like, I, because growing up seeing this movie, I thought that that was the coolest fucking scene, like, where you hit the fucking brick, and the bottom brick explodes, it's called the death touch, because you, for whatever reason, uh, but I think action movies now, they don't want to try to get, like, that corny, uh, I feel like in the 80s it worked more, but now they couldn't, they could probably do it, but, like, they would try to make it way too comedic. They, you know, they want Jonah Hill to be the guy that knew how to do the fuck. They're, they're going to remake Bloodsport with Jonah Hill. I guarantee it. I, I could see it now. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like Twenty One Jump Street wasn't really the original show. wasn't like super comedic. I mean, there's definitely comedic elements to it, but it wasn't a full blown like fucking slapstick comedy like the movie was. So I could still <laughs> see them doing that. Can you imagine Bloodsport featuring Jonah Hill and. The Rock. The one hundred percent. Like the Rock plays the Rock as the villain, as the Chong Lee character would actually be great. Yeah, I could see that as some sort of comedy. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. And I think like that's what a lot of action now as far as like we're talking mainstream action. I'm not talking about the the more low key action movies that you get that kind of get washed away, and there are a lot of good ones out there. There's a lot of not so good ones due to budget restraints and things like that, but as far as mainstream we didn't really, and Bloodsport wasn't really mainstream either because it was released by Canon. Canon was an independent films, uh, film distribution center and studio. Um, but those movies just had a cult following. Like I see, I feel like if you have anybody from the '80s that grew up in the '80s, you say Bloodsport too. They know Bloodsport. Yeah. I feel like it was an easier. It was easier to get those access to those movies probably through video stores and fucking. You know, HBO at the time would just throw everything on their channel because they were in just so, so much need of content. It's not like now where you can literally pick 50 movies from every decade and you have thousands of hours of content. 
So back then, I think people were just like hungry for it, and you'd see Bloodsport in the video store. Where do you think uh, like this ranks as far as like '80s movies? This is probably up there with like one of the best martial art like romps in, of the '80s for sure. Right? It, it's got to be one of the most notable ones for me. I mean, if I'm if I'm thinking about '80s karate movies, this is the first one that comes to mind, or just martial arts in general, not right. necessarily karate. Anything with fighting. I mean, more along the lines of action and stuff like that, I tend to think more of Rambo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think believe those are late 80s movies. Yep, yep. Um, this honestly really sticks out a lot more than other movies for me. It does. I think it... I, I don't know. I can't, like, pinpoint it. I, I really can't, like, as far as, like... For me, Van Damme always stuck out to me because he was just... He was always been my favorite. Uh... But you know you're right. It for some reason this Bloodsport just has like a. I think the majority of my exposure growing up to martial arts would be Walker Texas Ranger. There you go. Chuck Norris. Oh, Chuck Norris, one yeah. of the greatest fuck. So they had this. I can't remember the logistics of it, and I need to research it. So they had this like world champion kickboxer thing on the early '90s. I was a little fucking shit, and I remember my uncle and my father watching it, and Chuck Norris was one of the fucking judges. And uh, Steven Seagal was like one of the, like a host or something like that. And Don the Dragon Wilson was like a host. And there was all these young buck, like martial artists and stuff. And Steven Seagal and Don the Dragon Wilson, uh, who was a a martial artist that that was big in the 80s and the early 90s, uh, got into like a little like spat on there. I got I remember this vividly because I had it recorded on a VHS tape. And my, I remember my dad and my uncle being like fucking like pumped on it because they didn't like Seagal. And Don the Dragon Wilson said something to him and Seagal said something like goofy. And then fucking Don the Dragon Wilson's like, well, not only could I take you, but Chuck Norris could literally just destroy you right now. And Chuck Norris is kind of revered as like one of the like most legit of all time. But he's so humble that you never see him. He's never bragged about it. The movies he did um he had fun with and he didn't take too serious where he could have honestly i think chuck norris could have he didn't have like i don't think chuck norris had the charisma of like say arnold or sly so he didn't get that big but as far as like his skills he's revered as like one of the greatest in the world and i know chuck norris has said that like he thinks he said like i don't know he he doesn't say much but he kind of said like some backhanded things about van damme once but he also said that Van Damme probably had the most style of anybody he's ever seen. Now, when you mentioned Steven Seagal, I mean, there's another 80s martial arts practitioner, if you want to there call you him go. That, in air quotes, that his movies were not believable. Bloodsport, you watch and you think of it as something that could actually happen. I mean, you don't see too many people ripping people's shoulders out of their sockets <laughs> and their arm completely <laughs> off their body. Right. Yeah, I think yeah, there is a, and I think it's because, I mean, Van Damme is a legit martial artist too, so you got a legit martial artist doing martial arts in a movie, it's going to come across, and it does come across, and that's the thing with Van Damme, you can say anything you want about the Van Damme movies, but none of it seems like so over the fucking top. Like, Not too unrealistic. No, like, even with the, the Rambo movies, like, this guy's just running through and just mowing down hundreds of thousands of fucking people. Like, no one can take him out. Take out a whole camp with a Bowie knife. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas the Van Damme movies, I think they were more streamlined to reality. Because he, he really cared and, I think, nurtured the art of the fight in film. Which you can see in Bloodsport. 
And then, and that really does add to the gravity of the story too. That makes it a good story because it feels like something that could really happen. Yeah, if that's what you're looking for, it doesn't take you out of it because Seagal pulled the guy's arm off and beat him to death. With <laughs> Seagal is such an interesting cat. I'd love to fucking talk with, about him one day. But uh, you know, as you've kind of because as we started talking, you you've recently went back on a Van Dam kick. Oh, absolutely. So we're. Where does this rank amongst the Van Damme movies that you've kind of either rediscovered or, or been binging? And what are some other notables for you? So I'd say Bloodsport and Kickboxer are about even for me because the stories are both great. They're very similar stories. But yeah. then you have Double Impact is a great movie, but it also <laughs> has a lot of awesome, ridiculous scenes. Like oh, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme sleeps with his brother, also played by him. His wife and then fights himself yeah. <laughs> that again that that's what's funny is we i think i think for what it was doing in the 90s when we got like the nutty professor remake with eddie murphy him playing like a couple different people and stuff van damme was kind of ahead of the curve yeah like fucking playing the getting i mean that was i mean not to sound like stupid or ridiculous but that was kind of ahead of the curve like playing you're the star. I remember if you watch the trailer, the trailer's fucking hilarious because they're like starring Jean Claude Van Damme and also Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> it's so fucking. It's over the top, but it was. That's another movie. It translates super well and it's super fun to watch. Even though you you can tell in some of the scenes where they're going back and forth, where he has like, what he's got the slick back villain hair as the one brother, and then he's got like the kind of like short little like eighties like. <laughs> Like fucking... Just a quick restyle. Yeah. <laughs> Panning from side to side in different costumes. The cigar-smoking, leather-jacketed Van Damme versus the the teal short shorts splitting in the hotel room Van Damme. <laughs> but we're... So, Blood, or for, so, Double Impact's up there probably one of uh, his better movies, too. I just watched Knock Off the other day. Knock Off, fucking... A great movie. Super Rob, fun. Like, Rob again, Snyder. super fun. Did you check out Double Team yet with Rodman? I actually have not seen Double Team yet. So Double Team's a fucking one. That's another one. It's super fucking over the top, but super fun. Um, and I think that for action movies now, what are we really getting? We're getting Marvel movies. So you're not getting those straight action movies that felt like they were from the 80s or early 90s. So And the remakes are a little too campy. I mean, I'm thinking about like uh, Death Wish. They remade it with Bruce yeah. Willis, the Charles yeah. Bronson movie. I didn't see, I didn't see that one. What was how how did the remake translate? I think that the movie with Charles Bronson was much better because it just had more of like an eerie feel to it. Yeah, it, it was it was super gritty and dark. They sure. they did kind of switch around the story a little bit. But I, I do think that that was a movie that kind of suffered the the revisitation, like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, with a lot of these with a lot of horror movies, where it almost seems like there's a lack of original ideas, and they're kind of just revisiting things that were already successful. Maybe yeah. you know tinkering a few things and rebranding it. The original Death Wish, honestly, like a lot of moments in that movie felt like a horror movie. Yeah, like the rape in it is fucking like super fucking brutal like the fucking just the whole story of like you know a good man turned bad type thing because of the society is just fucking sullied him i think 80s movies had a lot more of that showing you kind of darkness that turns sure. a good person into vengeance and for sure stories like that i feel like you don't really see that kind of dark stuff as often now you really don't 
It's uh, almost like cheesy the way that they do it. It doesn't feel genuine. Yeah, yeah. I think they just, I think they're so focused on turning, like, something serious into a comedy all the time because they want to, like, I've heard, like, I've heard, like, interviews with people when they say, like, well, we don't want to make it too dark, you know? We want to be lighthearted about it. You can only be lighthearted for so long. But that's what's interesting about something like Bloodsport where they can take, like, comedy with, like, Ray Jackson and incorporate it so well into like a series story and you get the legit fucking fighting and you also get like a fun like a fun little like romp of him running from the marshal the u.s marshals and you get a love story in there be it van damme running around in those those little skibbies fucking because i always picture van damme saying like i need to be in my underwear for at least one scene <laughs> It will get me chicks. You gotta pepper in at least one full split in oh, every film. Yes, yeah, so there's gotta be a split. It's gotta be in the contract. Like he's gotta have like I don't want fucking final cut, but I gotta be splitting at one point or another. And and with the comedic value, it kind of makes me think about how the movie could have been forty minutes long if Jackson wasn't over celebratory. I mean, he basically had beaten Bully on yeah. effectively. Yeah, and it really should that part of the comedy actually ties into the story in that way because his personality was ultimately his demise in that sense. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's, uh, and the, the whole like thing with Ray Jackson is fucking hilarious when he does the like quarters, when Van Damme does the quarter snatch yep. and he just like, look like wide eye looks at him. Like, I don't know. It's just so fucking funny. And I think the simple, I've said it about comedies for years. I think comedies don't translate as well as they did in the eighties. Now is because people just, I think, think to a degree we've gotten away from enjoying like simple slapsticky like for lack of a better term lowbrow comedy yeah like everyone's looking for like what is something that's so like intelligently funny now like we've gotten away from like you gotta being... think about it too much yeah exactly we've gotten away from and, and i don't know i feel like seinfeld's a perfect example of like i think balanced that well where like something was like you had to think about it and be funny but they also had the super easy funny stuff too they kind of balanced that well range there and it definitely adds to the rewatchability i have seen seinfeld plenty of times oh yeah almost every day well well that's like that's i think the balance it's the balance and bloodsport has a balance like the way seinfeld has a balance and i think movies now they don't like they think they're balancing by like throwing a love story in with like Jonah Hill making a fucking like uh, funny dirty comment or something like that. But then there's also something really dark. It's like they try to add in something to pander to every single person that could right. possibly be in the movie theater seat mm-hmm. to where it's it's too homogenous. It's not even a particular type of movie anymore. Exactly. Like you can look at something like something like tw- like 21 the 21 Jump Street movie that was, you know, re a readaptation of the the series. They did like super dark, like a kid fucking OD'd and that like super raunchy comedy, but then a love story. Like you said, they just kind of, they try to hit all the buttons on the elevator instead of just saying like, okay, we're stopping at floor two and floor 11. Those are the only two floors we're stopping at. Yeah. These are the only emotions we'll be feeling during this movie. Yeah. Now it's just all of them in some way. But yeah. And you can have, you can have multiple emotions and blood sport, like we were just saying, has a balance, but they... They try to do too much. They, like you said, they try to just pander to everyone. They try to get hit everyone to kind of just make up for 
I, I don't know. Detroit That's why movies feel excessively long now, I feel like. Oh, for sure. They're, they're never really arriving you somewhere. Can, you can watch Bloodsport and you're like, oh shit, that went by, you're engaged the entire time. Whereas I think if you're going in there and you're seeing a bunch of action in an opening scene and then you get 25 minutes of like uh, character development and a love scene and then you get something super dark and then you go back to the comedy, they jump around too much. Yeah. Or it, not smooth transitions and a fucking hour and 45 minute movie can feel two and a half hours quick. Yeah, it goes by in a minute because mm-hmm. it engages you. Exactly. And Bloodsport does that. It has like a great fucking balance. Um, and it's... I don't know, it's fun, and I like talking, like us having this conversation about what this film kind of is and why it's so popular, because when you find a Bloodsport fan, and you talk to somebody about liking Bloodsport, you're immediately like, oh, fuck it, fucking Bloodsport. And I think you don't, like, because, like, say something, and I'm comparing them to a comedy, because I feel like the comedy, in a lot of ways, has replaced the action film in modern day. Because they're afraid to do, like, a full-blown action film, I think, sometimes, as far as, like, a mainstream thing. They almost don't want to take it too seriously in case it doesn't land. Exactly. 100%. That's a that's a great way to put it. There was a movie a couple years ago, I think it was 10 years ago or so now, called Sabotage that came out. It was an Arnold movie. And it got a wide release in theaters. And he plays, like, a corrupt, like, special agents op leader. And his team, like, does, like, some shady shit during, like, some of their missions. And then they're being investigated and stuff. That's a fucking great movie. So every every five to eight, maybe ten years, we'll get something super great as far as, like, an action film. And it'll hit on those two or three emotions and be evenly balanced. But we don't see it a lot. And like you said, I think they do. They don't want to take themselves too seriously in in bigger action movies um, because they can play it off like, it's a gag, it's a joke if it doesn't land. It it almost like, it makes me think about the movie Max Payne. The movie was very serious. It had Mark Wahlberg in a Mm -hmm. huge budget. They even had Mila Kunis in it. Yeah. Um, But it was taken very seriously. But I feel like now if you look back on that movie, it's almost like you think of that movie and then hot topic and spencer's gifts they're like almost interchangeable for sure to try to like i don't know get the younger crowd in on it so if like the masses didn't get it at least you know the the mall crowd would get it for lack of a better way to put it but i don't know blood sport i think now i think the fact that people are still and at the very least you and i are talking about it fucking 35 years later or 34 years later uh i think it says something i think it says when you saw when you saw i i don't know i feel like when you talk to somebody about i don't don't know because i'm trying to think of like uh, something like a a bigger comedy i don't know like if you find someone that's a fan of super bad like everyone likes super bad to a certain degree it isn't like there isn't passion behind it i'll say that there isn't like a passion behind like I fucking love Superbad. I have a fucking Superbad poster. I have a fucking Superbad fucking poster. I would almost say maybe Arrested Development would be a good example of that. Right. I mean, that, even that is a lar- wider crowd. Right. But still felt like something maybe not everyone was watching. Exactly. I think with these, it, it kind of ties into like genre film and horror and stuff like that. There's a passion behind it. So when you meet someone that's a, that's a Bloodsport fan... I think you're immediately like on the same level where you can appreciate how balanced it is and what a great movie it is and how fun and simple it is. It's not, it's not super complex. 
It's nothing complex, and it doesn't. You don't have to think while watching it. You just sit and enjoy. You could almost assume that someone who enjoys this movie would enjoy a lot of other movies. Exactly. Very similar. Exactly. Uh, and I feel like when you when you find a Bloodsport fan, usually they're a fan of of Kickboxer, of Double Impact, of those Van Damme movies, but also a fan of Rambo and fucking Total Recall and and all those you know those classics. I love all the 80s action movies that ties right in with like wrestling and all that. Like I mentioned Rob Van Dam yep. earlier. I it, mean, that's... It's definitely like... Uh, and, and it even ties in uh, when you talk like heavier music or punk and metal and things like that. That ties into horror movies. You know, uh, I feel like horror movies tie into action movies and action movies tie tie into, you know, wrestling because there's been a couple wrestlers that have done action movies and that's crossed over. Someone saw something and then they saw Rowdy Piper and they live and then they got turned on to John Carpenter. So it's all kind of like, it's not in the same, they're different circuses, but they all travel together. I think being a barber, I get a unique opportunity to have conversations with people from a lot of different walks of life. Of course, obviously have seen a lot of these movies too. And the, definitely a movie that if i'm talking to someone who's seen it i could probably easily segue into a conversation about something that you just mentioned or even i mean it could go as far as sci-fi i mean oh yeah most of my job is making a conversation Mm -hmm. and it's always good to have a good segue oh yeah it's that's the thing too i think it's uh it's not off the beaten path but like that's what it is too it's all kind of you're in the same it's all the same vibe like you know like if someone knows blood sport they usually are pretty hip to something else that you probably are both in, involved or in like you probably imagine you'd be you've been exposed to a lot of the same things a lot of the good shit the yeah, shit that matters all the good stuff yeah exactly and that's what it is like when you hear someone that likes a certain band the same way like okay this this motherfucker it kind knows. of hits a note exactly you know they know exactly exactly it's that fucking like it's when you see like i i wore like a fucking cat house hollywood shirt which was an old rock and roll private dance club in la that like all the it was ran by ricky rackman who hosted headbangers ball so like all the like you know guns and roses and fucking skid row and all those fucking bands like would go there and motorhead fucking played their fucking like halloween show and alice cooper played their halloween show so immediately, like I wore like a cat house shirt in Wegmans uh, uh, like last year, and some guy like fucking saw me. He's like, "Yeah, fucking cat house," like fucking. Not a lot of people would know the fuck the, up here would know what the fucking cat house was. Considered it was an L.A. fucking club in the '80s, in the early '90s. But when someone knows, like you said, it hits a note, and you're like, "That motherfucker knows. He's wearing a fucking cat house shirt. This guy knows. He likes blood sport." And as time goes by, people seem more and more sheltered it's hard to have that experience where you really click with someone oh yeah especially in the past two years yeah yeah so when you do you definitely gotta appreciate it uh well this is gonna fucking wrap up part one of fucking blood sport we're gonna have et talking blood sport with me as uh this episode rolls on but uh for anybody locally listening charlie plug plug the shop uh, if you want to get a you want to get a cut, you can go see Charlie. Well, I work over at Clip Eastwood, on uh, James Street in the Village of Eastwood. Um, always taking appointments. I work Tuesday through Saturday. There you go. So if you're in East Syracuse and you're looking for get your ears lowered, you know where to go. You can go to Clip in Eastwood. 
Uh, but yeah, man, this has been awesome fucking talking John Claude Van Damme, talking blood sport. Uh, we may have to do this again sometime soon. I would love to. Thanks for having me on. Fuck yeah. All right, part two with Eric, Scott, Tyler, right now, blood sport. Let's go. What is up? Welcome to part two of Blood Sport. This time joined by the consummate co-host, Mr. Eric Scott Tyler. Eric, what up? How's it going, brother? Now, we did part one of Blood Sport with Charles Laux, my barber, and uh, and fellow Blood Sport Jean-Claude Van Damme fan. But it was only natural we talked Jean-Claude Van Damme. This entire month was supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme January. Honestly, I was completely uh, okay with the the month getting off kilter considering uh, why it was put off kilter. And that was obviously getting um, the James and Keith episodes, uh, James Hart, Keith Barney from 18 visions. So it threw a wrench in our plans, but I think for, for all the right reasons, it, it, it did that. Which were amazing episodes. If I don't, uh, if I don't say so myself. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Those were, I mean, you know, me so you know how important those were to me it was the pinnacle of uh musical podcasting for me so if we never talked music ever again i'd be completely fine with that but we have we have so much to cover when it comes to movies and especially uh this movie blood sport it's a seminal movie uh that we have talked about nine million times and we're going to talk about it now I, do- I dove into the whole Frank Duke story, obviously based on a story that Frank Dukes told and the poster and the movie and everything. It, it details all of it as based on a true story. Now, all the events have since been questioned and <laughs> torn apart and, and everything of the Frank Duke story. So regardless whether or not the story is true or not, or who he was trained by and, and you know, where he actually ranked, if he was even a ranking military member, if he was actually in the CIA, all this. It's a crazy thing with the Frank Duke story. But regardless, out came, be it fiction or nonfiction, an amazing story in the form of a film adaptation of Bloodsport. I mean, extremely amazing. And I hope, it, you know, in my heart, no matter what's said or comes out to be true or false. Uh, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, it doesn't matter when it comes it's, to the movie. It's real matter. to me. It's real yeah. to me, Dan. <laughs> the Kumite is real. Everything is. I basically take it that the whole movie's fact, factual for sure. One hundred percent. Chong Lee was a real person. Uh, oh yeah. But the to get a movie like this, and this was really like Van Damme had been in a couple movies, Black Eagle, a couple other films. But this was the first breakout Jean Claude Van Damme film that spawned, honestly at all when it comes to the van damme filmage um just insane amount of uh movies he was putting out from the late 80s after this movie onward through the 90s it was just an insane amount of movies you talk hard target double impact kickboxer time cop the quest double team desert heat i could go on and on street fight i'd go on and on 
we go on that. We can talk. We can talk. Yeah. John Claude Van Damme movies the rest of the fucking year and probably still not even cover them all. But this is definitely this is definitely one of his seminal movies. It, for me, I put Kickboxer and Bloodsport as his top two films. Yeah, same here. I think uh, those two are like kind of the pinnacle, in my opinion, of his career, and also just kind of the most nostalgic for me of, of all of his uh, his catalog for sure. Yeah. Now, when did you first see Bloodsport? When did Bloodsport come onto the the ET radar? So, uh, you know, I talked about seeing things because of my father, um, who's weird because he's not like a huge movie guy these days. But when we were younger, you know, I mentioned before on like some Stephen King stuff that he read a lot of Stephen King and and he would always watch like the adaptations. And that's how we saw me and my brother saw those uh, when we were younger. And, and it was kind of the same with action action movies. And for some reason, there's a few of them that stand out to me that I saw because of him. And Bloodsport is one of those. Um, you know, I, I couldn't pinpoint the age. I was definitely uh, young, probably, you know, pre, pre-teenager. I want to say like 11, you know, 10, 11, something like that when I, right. I watched Bloodsport, Bloodsport with my father. Um, you know, when you see it for the first time and you're young, you don't really kind of know what's going on. But that was kind of really the first the first time I ever being remember being introduced to it. And then I remember a few years uh, after that, again, probably 11, 12 years old, uh, we used to have these parties at my uncle's house, my uncle Mike, and he had a bunch of, uh, of, of VHS tapes. Um, and I remember he had Bloodsport and I said, Hey, can I borrow this? And uh, he let me borrow Bloodsport. And I remember taking it home and watching it just like over and over again. Um, so those are like my, initial like introduction to to blood sport was uh you know through my father and, and and family i guess i think the first time i saw it was definitely like either i can't remember the first time it's one of those movies i know I, i've explained movies like this before i don't remember a time where they weren't like in my orbit like right this was just a movie that my uncle my father constantly would were throwing on this Full Metal Jacket, Stone Cold, Harley Davidson, Marlboro Man, Masters of Menace, like all these random. Yeah. If it wasn't if it wasn't a martial arts film, it was a uh, like a biker gang film or something. Right. So. And I'm like kind of the same as you. Like, I feel like there's never a time where I don't really remember the movie. But like, it's tough to pinpoint when you first saw it. You know what I mean? But like, right. Throughout, you know, being introduced to films and, and stuff like that, like Bloodsport's always been there. And, and you know, Jean-Claude altogether, actually, so. Now, what do you think for him to kind of break out? And, you know, he, he choreographs all the fights. He wants everything to look authentic. I, I know I talked about this with Charlie. And I know you and I have talked about it a million times about how he was the original Predator. Right. And right. they didn't like the idea of the Predator. They wanted the Predator to be more like technological and tactical than as opposed to like doing roundhouse fucking kicks and fucking pump <laughs> kicks and and splits and things like that. And there was also tension on the set with Van Dam as far as how he was, how rough he was being. That's a rumor. It's, it's unconfirmed, right. but, but things like that. And, but when you watch Van Dam films, you can tell that. And I know a lot of people, well, like we said, like I, I had said uh, on part one with Charlie, I think people will try to write these movies off as like dumb action films. But when you think about all the time and effort that goes into orchestrating these fight scenes that look so authentic and look so great, 
I think that is a art that isn't appreciated as much as it should be when it comes to 80s martial arts. No, I agree. And that's kind of what sets him apart a lot from other the his other counterparts uh, within like the action film and, and even martial arts films a little bit. I feel like for some reason he gets pushed over and like like we always talk about like who our favorite you know action stars are. Um, but he kind of brought he like kind of like he he's everywhere you know like martial arts, but he's also there with like the Stallones and the Schwarzeneggers. Maybe some people would say maybe not as big. I know that me and you really revere his stuff. But yeah, I mean, the amount of work that goes into the, I mean, I guess the word would be like, you know, choreography of it, like the, to choreograph those fights uh, and he, him doing a lot of that behind the camera, um, something that probably a lot of, you know, action stars are never doing. So, right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's definitely interesting to see like how like Arnold and Stallone are kind of held as like the one and two and that, and then you start hearing about the Van Dams and the Seagulls and don't right. get me wrong. I, I put Van Dam fucking miles and miles ahead of, uh, ahead of uh, Seagull and, and, and anyone else as far as like uh, abilities and stuff. And, and I think that was the difference between uh, Arnold and Stallone were more theatrical Whereas right. Van Dam was more authentic martial artist. So I think that's why he isn't considered in that top tier of the top two and isn't considered in like, you know, maybe what would be a top three. I think because he wasn't like acting wasn't like something that was the first thing. I, I think I think he had the ability of martial being a martial artist and then that led him into the acting. So I think that's why he's kind of been on the outskirts as far as like the action super the action hero eighties nineties guy, you know. Right, for sure, and and there's, you know, without having a great word for it, there's just something different about Jean Claude, and I think you can agree with that. Like, oh yeah, um, you know, he is. I mean, I don't want to. We don't have to rank by any means, but yeah, he's definitely, in my opinion, suburb over Seagal, and like obviously like Seagal movies, but. JCVD just kind of like he's different. He stands out, and um, there's just something different about him and his and his movies. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of what what draws you to those, especially like the early ones. Like, like you said, like Bloodsport is just such an amazing flick, like top to bottom. Um, and it's hard to picture anybody else even trying to do that role. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, no, one hundred percent. And it could be a thing where you just it's his movie and you've seen him in it. So that's what you picture. But um, I just couldn't picture anybody else doing that. So. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely interesting because he, I don't like, he, yeah, he, he, I feel like he has his audience though. Like the people that, the people that know Van Dam and appreciate Van Dam are like, like a uh, communal as far as like uh, right their, lo- their love and appreciation for him and his films. Yeah. Then you have, a, it is, it is, he's a little bit polarizing too. Cause there was like a time where there was a lot of people who talked negatively about him and said he wasn't like a true martial artist and all this other stuff, but Oh, for sure. I think you're right. Like there is a real, the people who love his work are, there's a real like uh, you know, community there. The people who just love his stuff. So. Yeah, he's it's so funny though, because he he's had so many films and 
the further he got in his career, some of those films aren't as popular as, say, Bloodsport and Universal Soldier and Kickboxer and Double Impact. Um, but when you go through and you watch some of those other films, they're just as entertaining, just on a different level and obviously a different time period. So watching a movie from 98 and 88, you're going to see a lot of differences just because of the cultural differences that happened right. in 10 years. But there's a, yeah. there, the 80s too, this is like a pinnacle 80s movie for martial arts. Like if you're talking about the greatest like fight martial arts movies of the 80s this is in the top three 100%. for sure for sure I, what i like about Bloodsport is and obviously i'm sure people well not maybe not everyone has seen the movie i suggest it but like the 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 kumite competition what i liked about it was they kind of showcased martial artists or fighters whatever you want to call it from all like kind of walks of life you know what i mean like in oh all yeah like, um cultures uh and i thought that was a really cool uh part of the movie where you see some of those other styles and some of that other stuff all getting brought together and i thought that kind of almost like paid a little bit of homage to like martial arts as a whole and like kind of culturally too uh, i don't know if that was like a conscious thing but if you notice obviously you've seen the movie millions of times like every fighter is like has like a different style you can tell they're from a different part of the world and yeah. i just thought that was really cool too and that's something you don't really I mean, this is uh, something uh, Charlie brought up, too, is having a villain be of a different uh, a different nationality and kind of making him. I mean, Bolo Young became kind of I mean, obviously not known to the extent of like being in a, a, a plethora of films after that, minus being in some John claude Van Damme films. But it was the first time you saw someone as imposing as bolo young was as chong lee in a movie like this it kind of it sets van damme apart as far as uh allowing that to happen and having that kind of like you said getting like all the different cultures in this film this film specifically he ended up doing it with many other films but this film in particular uh i think that is something you didn't see a lot of they were kind of just nameless uh villains in some martial art films that were you know right. oh, this is that guy's name you hear it once but like in this they kind of build him up as a super villain like the the master who was going to kill everyone in the kumite chong lee and obviously like in the one of the most imposing bodies like of probably all time especially for for someone from from his part of the world like i mean you just never saw something like him he's a freaking yeah hater. i mean he really is a force in that movie. I mean, I think we both can agree. Bully Young, like, kind of, he he relishes in that villain role in that movie, and and he's such an imposing figure. Like, like, like you said, I mean, the dude is just yoked out of his mind, oh, like yeah. Jack, and just yeah. I mean, he really he really plays a great villain, in it. and dare I say, like, one of the better villains in, in a lot, you know, martial arts or action movie too. I mean, he you really like hate him in that movie, especially, oh, yeah. you know, when he does what he does to, to old Jackson, it's like, uh, they did a They did a great job of building him as like a super villain in that movie. And it's, it, it really is great. He, he's great in that. Now we're going to get to kickboxer, be it this month or a different month or anything like that. It seems like we're going to maybe throw a bunch of, uh, other movies of Jean-Claude's together to do a, a different Jean-Claude month. But, 
Um, For sure. Kickboxer, it seems like they took the the elements of blood sport that worked and up the ante. So like this time, you know, it's Jean, it's Jean-Claude's brother and he's yeah. paralyzed instead of just hurt. And you know, and then but I mean as far as imposing, Chong Li is a way more imposing villain than Tong Po. Tong Po probably more evil. Yeah, they definitely with the because uh, Tong Po obviously has the uh, wearing prosthetic or something in that obviously that yeah because right? he's so, uh, 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 Michelle Kesey. Uh, he yeah. is, he's also in this film too as one of the fighters. right. So they definitely they I think in the kick or in Kickboxer they definitely make. Uh, they try to do more of Tong Po to make him look more evil, like you said, like definitely sure. more of like a, a villain. But we'll, we'll talk about that uh, when we talk about Kickboxer. For sure. Now, the cover art for this, the the poster with Van Damme kicking Bolo, that's another yeah. like iconic picture. W- yeah, with like the, the Bloodsport text, like yeah. for sure. It's like it that, really is iconic. They Yeah, they tapped into something, and that's something I think uh, I talked to um, – Ben from Neon Brainiacs when we did uh, when when we did uh, I think we covered Cobra and you and I covered uh, Universal Soldier and we talked about it as well on that and Cobra too the mm. the tagline in the poster was so important in the eighties it was so it was so important to the movie yeah for sure because I mean like the way we the way we consume movies now as you know well I I wouldn't say we me and you because in our, in our group, because we actually care, like we always talk about with the physical media and, and the stuff like that, like the physical copies, like we care about like what a cover looks like, or is there a slipcase? Uh, but I think I would say the general public now doesn't care because most of the stuff, you don't care what the poster looks like, really. You right. just, you see the trailer and then you rent it on whatever, or you like, you're not, you know, I'm sure people, people obviously still go to the movies, but yeah, back then, like that's like a huge selling point is the the poster, oh, you yeah. know, the ad in the paper, uh, you know, stuff like that. So I just like, and that's why we're we're drawn to that stuff. Like it actually mattered. We um, I don't we know if as much work is put into it nowadays, but no, because social media, social media, you can get you can get the word out on a movie on Facebook and Instagram and and right. Twitter and uh, you know all these sites and stuff like that. You didn't have the internet back then, so. If you wanted someone to get your movie, you had to have a poster that looked appealing for someone to see it and say, it, you know, that was the old school way of promoting your stuff for social. Right. Was, right. There's no social media. So you had to. And it, same thing with the video store, the video. I mean, you can attest to this. You picked movies, not you didn't read the backs for descriptions. You bait. You chose your movies that you were going to rent from Sight and Sound, from Video King from later on sure. blockbuster by what the cover art looked like yeah 100 percent. that's like a thing of the like you said that's the thing of the past like i mean i know well i guess it's different not maybe not so much a thing of the past but instead of looking at the video story you're scrolling through netflix or hulu and you're right seeing the cover and i should say like i'm sure they put in the probably the same amount of work on like cover art and stuff but but when cons- we consume differently yeah it's a live in people who consume physical media, it's still alive because I know when we go to cons and we look at films, like if we go to Diabolic's table and we see a movie that we're not familiar with, but we see a cover and we're like, oh my God, this looks fucking hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's like, and I know you too, like that's like a, that's still a huge thing I love to do, like blind oh, yeah. buying stuff. Blind buying, yeah. Like, great. Sometimes it bites you. 
for sure. But, oh yeah, it's a it's a roll of the uh, dice. You know who I do envy though? I envy the people like our parents or whoever that these movies came out and you know they maybe knew Jean Claude or they didn't and they went to the theater like unexpected like and saw it like without knowing anything like I right. definitely wish that's something that we could have done um but it's also cool that we like you said with your father and, and uncles and stuff and mine same that that stuff gets passed down you know like you're watching it with them too so that's cool but yeah and this movie seems to still have life all these years later I know Waxwork just put out the Bloodsport vinyl like that you like, you you have that copy you have the copy of it now right you got it yeah i have the subscriber yeah. variant because i yeah. am a 2021 subscriber I, there's still vinyl backup so i'm still not i haven't still got all my records from that subscription yet but blood sport was in one of them a red with black and gold splatter that's uh, awesome yeah yeah just uh and that that's the thing too they're they aren't gonna waxwork isn't gonna make a blood sport vinyl if they know people aren't gonna buy it for sure. I mean, you still see some of the clothing companies putting out like blood sports stuff. I think, I think there's been a resurgence. I don't even want to say just lately, but like, you know, I think action movies have a, just like a horror movie, whatever, like there's a really big audience for it and people really are like really loyal. And I think that stuff kind of is going to live forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. It's, it's going to be interesting to see where this movie sits 20 years from now now that we're 34 years almost since it's released it came out in 88 the year i was born so yeah it's 40 through 34 years old you know it's going to be funny to see where movies like this the 80s are still so revered when it comes to film especially action films and i think i think a little yeah. bit of that's lost especially in the in the hugeness of 80s horror people forget how big and what a fan base 80s action has yeah i mean that's true it's kind of the the i mean the peak age you got to think right the 80s i mean when's the last i mean not to get off on a whole tangent here but what, what's the last action movie that you saw that you loved that's new i'm trying to think the last one probably sabotage with arnold Right, and think about how long ago 2012, I think that was 2012. I mean, exactly. That's you know, we're approaching 10 years. I mean, and I, I think I, that, yeah, it's just a weird, it's it's the genre's kind of, it's kind of, uh, I take it back. I take different. that back. I, I did lo love Last Blood, I did love Last Blood. I yeah. love I mean, the third expendables, but a true, like, kind of like. That's my point, right? Well, not my point, but that's yeah. what is what is Last Blood? It's a fucking Rambo movie, you know what I mean? Or what is the Expendables? It's 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 movies Everyone. with these guys. Like, yeah, I just think the the action movie, and I could be way off when I say this, but it's like what action movies are coming out now that I feel like you see sci fi stuff. Like, I mean, are like the Rock and Kevin Hart like comedy action flicks? Is that where is that where we're at now? I yeah, don't know. that's what I mean. It's the it's the same thing. Yeah, I think. I think studios think that the Marvel movies cover their action bases, so there's no need to put out yeah. an action film. That's true. I mean, I guess technically those, I mean, maybe not in the terms of the films we're talking about, but I guess technically they're action films, right? I mean, I and it's so bad to me. Like, I can't even think about the last, like, action movie I saw that was uh, new that I, like, loved. Like, I just, 
I'm probably missing something for sure, but that's what I think it speaks volumes that I can't. They're very few and far between. I know I, I liked Faster, which was a movie with The Rock from, I think, 2010, maybe, 2009, maybe, something yeah, like good. that. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, super long, super long time ago. Yeah. Um, I think now there's just such a, you can't tell those stories anymore because people want way more, like you look at a Marvel movie. Like mm-hmm. I, I haven't, I'm not a Marvel guy. Like I like some of the Spider-Mans. Um, right. I, I love everything Batman related that comes out as far as DC goes. But when it comes to like comic book movies, there's so much going on and there's fucking craziness here. And with the new Spider-Man, they got the fucking Spider-Verse. So it's three different eras of fucking Spider-Man that are playing, you know, they're all right. intertwined. There's so much going on. Because you can have that craziness. It's so hard to have a simple story like Bloodsport, I think, be made now because so many people find it boring. It's the same way that yeah. people see Dawn of the Dead and they're like, why are the zombies that weird color? Like, you know, or, or I've literally read people comment on horror posts on social media and they talk about, I don't know why Night of the Living Dead is so revered. It's so boring. It's so boring. So I think it's like an age thing, but I think right. the people who do appreciate it, uh, like us of our era that grew up in nineties and videotape renting and, and things like that can appreciate and love these films because we grew up with them. But I'd be interested to see, there's gotta be a demographic of kids that are discovering eighties action movies and loving them. There's gotta be a kid that's found blood sport. That's in his, that's a teenager. And it's just like, this is the fucking shit. Yeah. I mean, I would like, yeah, I, I think a hundred percent. I mean, I think it, with everything, like everything has like goes and like ebbs and flows of like what's popular, what's not. And people discover shit all the time. I mean, there's kids listening to the Beatles for the first time, probably when they're 18 and, and the same thing. Uh, I now that I think about it, like when it comes to action flicks, I think like a lot of the stuff I do like that comes out now is like shit that nobody cares about. You know what I mean? It's stuff like, oh, yeah, straight to, you know, straight to streaming or straight to, to, to Blu-ray DVD. Like there yeah. are some great action most of the great like action guys i follow now are like you know kind of a lot of martial art guys like you know there was that Wahlberg flick we, I, we went to see in the theaters mile 22 there's a guy yeah. in that named eco uis who does a lot of crazy shit like martial arts wise like i just feel like even though arnold just announced his new flick today right uh zeus i see is but, that uh, real i think it is i mean i saw i didn't think it was real at first and then I went to his IMDb. I didn't see it on there. I know IMDb is like fucking Wikipedia, but still, I didn't see it. Yeah, on maybe it is. Maybe it's fake because I, I saw some social media that has some sort of notoriety post it. So maybe I initially that was my thought that it was just fake. Right. But uh, I guess we'll see. But where does, you know, for for I think there's a little but that I say that, you know, you know, it's actually kind of topical is Cobra Kai. Yeah. Could that's the, that's what's interesting now. Could Bloodsport could Bloodsport see some kind of revival could or or at least a film like Bloodsport see some kind of revival with that are kids going to go watch Cobra Kai and then for some reason find Bloodsport because of that. I mean or, maybe. My personal thought is the way streaming platforms are now that you could almost revive anything and there's going to be an audience for it. And really, I mean, these companies are making so much money that like, honestly, if uh, Cobra Kai has been out for a while, if I would have asked you a couple of years before Cobra Kai came on, I said, Hey, 
they're going to do a karate kid show when you right. kind of think that's kind of crazy that show is still in the top fucking 10 on netflix uh you know when it released what like a month ago or more yeah it, that's um that's the thing too like if they that's the, the, see that's what's funny about cobra kai is I don't think that there was people didn't know how much they would enjoy it until the trigger was pulled and the show was made. So if they made a blood sport show that had a couple younger kids in it and had Jean-Claude Van Damme teaching them as Frank Dukes, I mean, obviously you couldn't do that now because there's a whole bunch of yeah. shit with Frank Dukes and, and him, but hypothetically, you know, would kids I, go back and revere blood sport because a show called blood sport revived the love for it. How I many kids? That's a, it, it, it's tough because like I think what helps Cobra Kai is because of the they did a perfect job of of taking the original story, bringing it uh, new with like fresh, new, young blood, like young talent. I think that helped. I personally think if you did like another blood sport like movie, I think it would have to be just as like visceral and 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 hardcore as like the movie is. And I think there is a I mean, obviously, you know that there's a there's an audience for it how much of an audience i don't know but like i and that's what i mean like i think with streaming now like i think i think there's like the 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 possibilities are kind of endless and like why couldn't there be a blood sport movie now like an updated one like you there's enough people who are going to watch whatever like even people who just want to watch mindless like action flicks like we're just going to tune in just to tune in yeah and then you're going to have your your van damme fans so i definitely think it's it could be a possibility I mean, it's going to be – so there's definitely an audience for action. It's just niche, and there's got to be another, like, formula thrown in, another another ingredient thrown in, be yeah. it, like, you know, a teenage element or things like that where you can get some popularity with it. But I agree. We're, we're in our like, 30s, and we enjoy Cobra Kai, and then there's teenagers that are, like, falling in love with the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I think I thought Cobra Kai – I think it's well written, and I what I love about Cobra Kai again, we're getting off on like these tangents of other things other than Bloodsport, which I love by the way. But this is all um, you know, it's all tied to the yeah. legacy of Bloodsport. I think what Cobra Kai has been able to do personally too is explore the characters that you had questions about in the movies, you know what I mean? Like, for sure, yeah. I mean, look what they've done with, with Johnny, like, I mean, the depth of his character. I mean, what'd you know about him from the first movie? You knew he was a dick because he was he got bullied by his coach and he wanted to impress his friends but now you know the whole fucking backstory of why like yeah it just went it's the way he is so it's uh but then you know there's you know blood sport i think just has kind of it's a simple story and, it, and i think it's like simple songs too like simple rock and roll songs that just never go out of style like you said like with kids still finding the beatles that I think there's still a simplicity to movies like Bloodsport that they'll never die. They'll always be a fan base with it. Will the fan base, you know, go in waves as far as like people, you know, we're going to be dead in fucking hopefully a, a long time. We won't be dead till, but, uh, um, yeah. you know, eventually we'll be dead. But, you know, is some kid in, in 40 years going to find Bloodsport and like it be his, you know, it be yeah. his Led Zeppelin, it be his Beatles. I think so. I think, and that goes for any any film and any genre and music, everything too. I mean, you got people who, you know, even us, like we watch really old other films. Like I love Vincent Price movies. Like, I mean, people are watching the original, you know, Universal Monsters and shit. Like that shit's fucking from forever ago. So, and like I said, I think action being just like horror where like there's a huge fan base and people are rabid. I think, 
like Bloodsport, any of these movies, a lot of Jean-Claude's major films, I think, will continuously be discovered and, and be watched. I mean, that's that's how I feel about it. Anyway. What do you think for if someone had never seen Bloodsport? Like, what would your if you were going to not even just tell them about the film, but like mm-hmm. explain like what the film like means in the pantheon of like of action films? Like what what would you how would you summarize like Bloodsport and the legacy of Bloodsport? That's tough. I mean, it's, it's important. It's an important film as far as like. It's genre. I really do think. Yeah, it's and I agree, important. and that's what I'm thinking. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm being too much of a homer and nostalgic about it because I love the movie so much and it's so nostalgic for me. But I personally think of being like we talked about the time frame and how important action films were in the '80s, um, and how if you had like a, I mean, I would say me personally, and I know you too. Like, if you had like a top whatever of action movie stars, like John Claude is on that. 100%. Um, so that being said, the, a lot of people's eyes, my, probably my eyes too, is that's like my favorite of his films. I mean, it probably is my favorite. Um, I think that like it's a pinnacle of his work. So I think the film is extremely important. And I think it's even like martial arts. Like I think like the direction they went in that in the movie, like I said, how like culturally diverse and different styles and like everything he adds to the, like the big loyalty factor to saying loyalty to his, his uh, like sensei or whatever, um, like everything the film promotes, it's kind of a classic story. Like you see a lot, but I don't know. It stands out like the brutality side of things, like, like the movie is super brutal at times. Um, but it's also goofy and like the, you know, the friendships he makes in the movie and, and, the backstory with him growing up. I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably his most important film. So, you know, putting that all together. Yeah. It's saying that he's one of the best, you know, action movie stars and this is his best film. I mean, one I of the it's great, extremely important. I mean, even the films aside, one of the greatest martial artists of all time too. For sure. For sure. I mean, the guys, I think that was another thing about like people liking him was just his overall look. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, oh yeah. He was a good-looking dude. He was jacked as shit, and he he was a great martial artist. I mean, and and like you mentioned, him Corey, you know, doing a lot of the the stunts and, and putting all those fights together. I think that kind of is extra important as well. It's uh, I think it's super. This movie's super important. I think its legacy will live on, and I think for me. It probably this movie and blood or or in kickboxer and and movies like that, or even double impact and the quest and all these films, they really opened my eyes to things outside of America as far as culture, too. I mean, it sounds a a little goofy to say, but I think John Claude Van Damme was probably the first foreign actor besides Arnold that I was like obsessed with, and and then you see all the Asian culture in his, in, in his films and the European culture in his films. That was introduced at such a young age where I don't think, I do think that there's white kids in America that aren't introduced to anything outside of American cinema for a long, long time, for whatever, for mul- a multitude of reasons. Now, probably, they're probably exposed a little bit more to movies outside of here, but his films just felt very, like, culturally culturally inclusive but also it had 
you weren't going to get that. You were seeing all kinds of styles in this movie as far as where all these guys are fighting from all around the world. But he has such a, a deep like uh, love and appreciation for Asian culture, and you see it in all of his films. And I think that was my first introduction to Asian culture, which I love Asian culture now um, and, and have since I was a kid because of films like this. You're exposed to it. Those, you know, those cities, you know, Hong Kong and, and, and Tokyo and all these Asian cities look fucking amazing and it just intrigued me at a young age and i think that's something van damme doesn't get enough credit for because he was you know uh a belgian actor and he i just i just find it interesting that i don't think he gets enough credit for being just opening the culture doors in action movies too i mean obviously you talk martial arts films they're very culture they're based most 99 percent of the time outside of america but as far as like a, a movie that was is uh, American revered as blood sport, it, he helped to bring all the cultures in and I think open doors. Yeah, that people I would don't say think about. I'm sure I'm saying, especially in that era, too, like of a younger, maybe a younger kid who saw blood sport when it first came out. I bet I bet that helped kind of bridge the gap of other martial, like you said, like other like sure. films and, and martial artists that people looked up afterwards. I think the cool thing about Bloodsport is on the surface level, people look at it and they see just like a, an action movie, like a yep. mindless, but there's really a lot to it. Like it's, it's a revenge story. It's a loyalty story. It's a buddy comedy at times. Like, yeah, yeah. It's got many everything. layers. Like, especially with the whole, like, you know, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character and uh, the other yeah. dude there, like the whole chase stuff. Yeah, like, the Marshalls, yeah. There's comedy within that as well. And and it's kind of, and I feel like that's like a lot, with a lot of movies, I feel like they're just misunderstood and they don't, not everything is talked about. And uh, Bloodsport is one of those. Like there's there's all aspects of the of the movie. I mean, obviously they throw in the fucking love story because you, they throw in love stories to everything. Yeah, you so, got it. Uh, I think you see a, jean-claude naked ass as well so yep, i'm sure that sure was like we're like they're like jean-claude we gotta get you we just gotta give you a full we gotta get a full ass shot in this one we gotta please the men and the ladies <laughs> that would appreciate a jvcd ass yeah and he was all for it sure yeah sure um, i tell you what not to get on a weird tirade about that it takes a lot of confidence just show your bare ass on film so good for him you look like, you look like jean-claude i mean it's pretty Confident. Yeah, I guess it's a lot easier if it's that. So look in the mirror. I mean, we look like <laughs> I, we look a little different than John Claude does when we get the fucking mirror. Yeah, it would take me a good. I'd have to sign a good contract to do it. Yeah. Probably, but, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up this conversation because it's been uh, an awesome conversation revering this film. But Stan Bush, fight to survive. He's got a couple songs in this one. He also has his songs in uh, in, in uh, Kickboxer with Streets of Cyan and uh, Fight for Love and Never Surrender. So Jean-Claude and Stan Bush obviously had a must have had a, some kind of rapport where he, he loaded up these two movies with a bunch of his songs, half his catalog almost. Yeah, they must have had something going because it works, though. That Fight to Survive, if that doesn't get you fucking jacked up i don't know what will and when Almost they bring like, in the, uh, when they bring in the kumite chant in the song <laughs> yeah. if you're not gonna fucking kill someone i don't know what you're gonna do <laughs> you think there's actual or there ever has been an actual like kumite event like you think they that, say I mean, you think so it's ever happened? The, the whole kumite thing they say was that thing was real the the secret tournament was real they just there's been a lot of dispute 
there's been less dispute about that being real and more dispute about Frank Dukes ever being in it. And even like the, the, the guy he says he trains upon, like no one can find any kind of like information on him, And, and he got caught like wearing his medals that he claimed he had from the military, like in the wrong order and shit like that. So he's been right. like, he's been exposed, I think for being a little, a little fibby, but uh, regardless, we got this fucking great story in this amazing movie that we're talking yeah, about I mean, 34 Jesus, years later. Dude. I tell you what, if it's not real, it's a great story nonetheless. So yeah, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And... Um, I know we're wrapping up, but I have a question for you. I just want to get your opinion on it is why do you think that Jean-Claude didn't get the, uh, the notoriety and the success that say like some of the other big stars, like from, you know, Arnold Sly, I guess you could even say Bruce Willis, um, like, why do you think it, he kind of is looked at almost he, in the same light as Steven Seagal, where they're kind of they had some big movies, but they're, you know, they never reached. I don't know. I think because they never two things. If you're comparing him to Arnold, he didn't have James Cameron. Now, don't get me right. wrong. Conan was a fucking great movie and Red Sonja and all those. But Arnold really didn't blow up until you put him in that role as the Terminator and James Cameron's 1984, the Terminator, then he became. So that helps tremendously. If John Claude would have been the Terminator, could we have seen something, you know, similar Eastern European accent fucking, you know, Van Damme, obviously not as huge as him. Van Damme was more of like a chiseled martial artist. I think that's what helped Arnold a bit too, was the whole, you know, well, he was, he was known as, you know, the worldwide, he was Mr. Olympia for fuck. Yeah. That's obviously that, that helps. And then when you talk Stallone, Stallone, I think when you make a movie like Rocky and boxing is as huge as it was, and you have an Italian boxer, and the Italian mm-hmm. culture and the love for, I mean, we know we grew up in Canastota as a small Italian town and there's fucking the McDonald's had literally, well, not, aside from being literally the home of the boxing hall of fame, literally the boxing hall of fame, right. and having a goddamn in the McDonald's parking lot, having <laughs> two fucking robes of fucking Italian boxers from our neck of the woods, robes being like hoisted in there and lit up in the McDonald's parking lot across the street from the boxing hall of fame. You obviously the Italian culture with Rocky, I think helped, but also the amazing story, like all credit to Stallone for writing that story. And I think hitting it at a right time and then just being a hit and things like that. And then obviously doing first blood after that, I think it was right place, right time with Van Damme. I do think he probably, as far as like acting goes, when he started out, he probably wasn't as good as Stallone was in Rocky as far as his acting. And then, I mean, I do think Van Damme has come leaps and bounds with his acting, and I think his acting is amazing. And I, I know people might try to dispute that, but I think they're wrong. And then with Arnold, you have the body plus James Cameron. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just right place, right time. And I think, but I also think, for as much as Arnold is Green Day, Jean Claude Van Damme is the Ramones. Yeah, I mean, I think you're. I mean, everything you're saying is really. I mean, 
not to again not to rank like i love slide i would say if i had a choose out of all of them it would be him for sure but everyone has their their you know their pro not cons really but everyone has their, their different things that's appealing about him but um you're right though like what it it's all about opportunity too what if it was somebody else for terminator you know what i mean what if what if I mean, I think what sets Sly apart maybe a little bit is, like you said, with the Rocky, like him being a writer, too, and that. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I would hate to think that it would, because obviously it doesn't have to do with, like, where, he, you know, Jean-Claude comes from, like the accent, because we know Arnold, even though pro- Arnold's might be more American than I am at this point. But uh, I think, I do think it's just like a combination of a few things, like Stallone being such a good writer and making that movie, um and just having like kind of like the boxing fandom behind it like how many people how many people were truly interested in muay thai when van damme made blood sport or kickboxer you know what i mean right right so i think that plays into it now like with the with the popularity of the ufc and and mixed martial arts like that i mean that's what the kumite kind of is it is imagine imagine if the ufc started in the late 70s and then van damme was the first guy that came out and was like that would have been fucking huge yeah for sure for sure i mean yeah like i said like you said it's all about opportunity but if we can say one thing to everyone who's listening is jean claude is amazing and you need if you obviously you need to dive into blood blood sport one of his pinnacle films but all of his films he has a lot of movies that are maybe not highly regarded but that are great films so yeah he's he's put out a lot and a lot of it is great um i have nothing bad to say about the guy he's he's uh someone i've admired uh, as far as his physique as far as his acting as far as what he's put out like the dude's uh, a specimen and he's still fucking doing splits and still going nuts uh, all these years later. And he also played a villain that I probably wrote in another life in Expendables too. <laughs> well, yeah, when, uh, yeah, when we when we saw that in theaters, I I thought to myself like Jesse's a huge John Claude guy, and I feel like if he wrote him in a movie right now, this is what he would be like, just like fucking. <laughs> dark as like fucking satanic and like fucking spin kicking knives into people's hearts pretty much (laughs) so Uh, but all we could say is uh viva la jean-claude van damme viva la blood sport uh oh yeah bolo young can't say enough good things about bolo young donald gibb aka ogre from revenge of the nerds yeah you couldn't have found anybody better than donald gibb to play ray jackson he brings it all together also their little oh, yeah. handler the little handler guy too like i'd never forget remember his name but he's yeah. a man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking amazing uh right. i look forward to diving into other uh, jcvd flicks oh yeah i can't i can't wait for that oh yeah so um so every year around my birthday which is in a few weeks i like to do a fun a fun film. Um, and I usually don't disclose that it's my birthday, but I try to pick a really fun film. So I will announce that the second week in February, Eric and I are going to be covering Airheads. Oh, fuck yeah. This is, <laughs> this is news to me as well. So I'm, that's Jesus. That's going to be fun. That, that one, it's going to be uh, fucking amazing. Cause we'll try we to get, obviously both love that film. So, Oh yeah. We'll try to get maybe uh Let's see. We get maybe Buscemi. We can call Buscemi. Yeah, Steve Buscemi wants to come on. 
Uh, I figure we'll cover all the posters in the in the the Heart God Dungeon down there. We just did Bloodsport, and we're doing Airheads next. Yeah, that you know what you should we that would be a funny thing. We should do that. Yeah, I think you could post you could post the poster. Uh, we already did Stone Cold. I did Pet Cemetery too. We did the Lost Boys. We did Scream. We haven't done Return of the Living Dead. That'd be a good one. That'd be fun. We'll have to get the other croonies on there to do that one too. If they can, we can get Maybe them we'll out of there. Do, we got to do a commentary of one of them. Oh shit. We should. Yeah. That'd be great. But all yeah, right. This, this was a lot of fun. Always a lot of fun. Uh, go check out blood sport. If you haven't, uh, you're going to be diving into some serious shit. Um, if you haven't discovered it yet and you're, you are in 2022, but Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, uh, all that good shit. Um, yeah. Listen, download, host sites, anchor. Fucking check us out on Instagram at HeartGuy Media. This has been the Sight and Sound podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you.